What if? Part 2 of the It Was Always You series by M. L. Trafry Read by Literarian Chapter 7 Tony Raised Anthony Part 2 2004 How's the roommate? Eliza asked over video chat, a sure sign she was avoiding schoolwork. Ezra, however, no longer felt the need to try and get her back on track. If she wanted to procrastinate, that was on her. Anthony's fine, thank you. Ezra replied, taking a sip of his tea. Well, fine is a step up from our last conversation when he was merely okay. I take it you're adjusting. Ezra sighed. Ah, I suppose when you put it like that, we're amicable. Friends, even. Sound more enthusiastic, Ez. She smirked. Ezra scowled. Would you prefer I jump for joy? Get giddy that another human has deemed me worthy of companionship? I'm just saying you sound like being your roommate's friend is painful, Eliza countered. Ezra decided that was too heavy a topic to unload on his sister when he wasn't sure how long she actually intended to stay on with him. Ever since the night a couple weeks back that resulted in them waking up hungover on the floor, Ezra had been looking at Antony in an entirely different way and not one he was sure he should. His roommate was always aesthetically pleasing, attractive in the usual ways and perhaps a bit more when he was passionate about something. But ever since Ezra had gotten to know him, since they still talked about everything and nothing each night, spent more time in each other's company than merely their presence, Antony had become someone beautiful. Easily, Ezra would say Antony was nearly his friend, with maybe only Eliza being more so by default. It's not, Ezra assured. It's... He was cut off by the dorm room door opening. He looked over his shoulder and startled at seeing Anthony covered in paint and fuming. Oh dear, Ezra said. Anthony turned his glare on Ezra and it softened. There are idiots in my class, Angel, idiots. What happened? Ezra asked as Anthony tossed his leather jacket onto his bed, revealing the shirt beneath had been coated in even more bright paint. Harris is what happened. Harris. Anthony paused to peel off his shirt. Decided that he wanted to be an expressionist and then thought it hilarious. Anthony tossed his shirt aside, then went for the buttons of his mind-boggingly tight denims. Ezra couldn't even warn him, because Anthony barreled on, thought it hilarious if we all became parts of his masterpiece. He shimmied out of his denims. He not only ruined my clothes, but he ruined my painting, which I'd already spent a good six hours on today. I was nearly fucking finished. I'm sorry, Ezra said in sympathy. Is there anything to be done? Carmine is out for blood, so there's that, Anthony said, his anger starting to wane now that he vented. He reached up for his bun and let it out, shaking the long strands of red hair out and grimacing at the paint in the strands. If this makes me have to cut my hair, I may just join Carmine in the manhunt. He grabbed his towel and robe, his toiletries, a pair of boxes, and then left the room. The door closed and Ezra turned back to the screen and then giggled as Eliza stared back. The poor thing looked a mix of shocked, scandalized, intrigued and desperately curious. So, 
She cleared her throat. Ahem. That happen often, does it? A little striptease down to his skivvies? Antony has the philosophy that a body is nothing to be ashamed of. Nudity doesn't bother him in the least, and I think the only reason he hasn't brazenly stripped to nothing is the fact that, with only one exception, I have never changed in this room with him in it. So, your stupidly hot roommate, because he is as, he's not pretty or pleasing, he's downright delicious, strips down to nearly nothing in front of you, knowing you're gay. Well... Ezra tipped his head side to side. Sexuality is another thing he's not overly concerned with. He flirts with everyone. <laughs> that wasn't flirting, Eliza said with a giggle. That was... What the hell do peacocks do? It's his room. He can take off his clothing here. I've gotten used to it. Lies. Complete and utter lies. Ezra, in fact, had found it a bit more flustering since he discovered he sort of liked Antony more than he anticipated. He's got a tattoo, Eliza said in wonder. A big bloody tattoo. I can't decide if I'm more attracted or put off by that. Are you quite done? Ezra asked with a sigh. Not sure, Eliza retorted. Is he single? I'm hanging up now, Ezra replied, clicking the window closed before Eliza could protest. He took a deep breath, then blew it out slowly. Eliza probably said all that purposely to get this exact reaction out of him, what with how unruffled he'd been all their lives. He sort of hated that she found a button to push, especially when the button involved something he wasn't entirely sure of himself. The door opened again and a less colourful Antony came in. I see you got the paint out, Ezra noted. Was still a bit wet, at least. Use that to my advantage, Antony replied, taking off and tossing his robe aside, getting his pyjama pants. Your sister enjoy the show? Ezra blushed to the roots of his hair. I hadn't realized you knew she was there. Antony smirked. <laughs> well, I hadn't until I was leaving. Might have warned me. I apologize, Ezra said. It... I hadn't... It's fine, angel. Antony assured as he plopped on his bed. Done it enough times with Oscar's mates being around in the background. Violet was particularly loud about it. Ezra laughed, expelling the nervous energy built up in him. Then he frowned. Wait, Oscar's mates? Not yours? Well, mine too. Less close to them than him, though, Antony said with a shrug. I think I've only met them once, Ezra said thoughtfully. They'd joined him at the library one evening. Really? Antony replied. Must have been a night I was working. Shame, really. Ezra didn't say it, but he very much agreed. It was a shame. The train ride back home was nice. Yes, Antony could have had his dad pick him up on campus. It had been the plan up until a week ago, but then Ezra said something about needing to remember to buy his train ticket, and Antony said he had to do the same, even though he didn't. So there he was, sitting rather close to Ezra on the train, all because Antony liked him. Okay, so he more than liked Ezra. If he were honest with himself, he was actually infatuated with Ezra. He was clever, more clever than Antony was, but not in an obnoxious way. He was kind, something Antony observed more and more as they spent time together around the school. 
Ezra had replaced someone's tea when they'd dropped it simply because they looked like they were having a bad day. He'd helped one of Anthony's classmates with a bundle of canvas, putting him well out of his way to the library to help bring it to the studio. He'd offer a sunshiny smile and be extra polite to any worker that seemed to be having a stressful day, then add a compliment at the end. But heaven, hell, somewhere help the poor soul that got on his bad side. Anthony had been on the town with him once when some arse made a comment about one of them. Anthony hadn't caught who it was directed at or what was said, but Ezra had stopped dead in his tracks, turned and gave them a deceptively polite smile. He never raised his voice, but the warmth that usually suffused it had turned ice cold. Somehow he made the blokes that said anything properly chastised, though Anthony couldn't figure out how. The blokes easily could have pulverized them, well, pulverized him, Ezra could lift the damn mini-fridge like it was a bloody pillow, and yet they apologized and went on their way. Ezra was so bloody fussy and Anthony was a little appalled by the idea that Ezra wasn't a fan of any sort of music or fashion beyond the 1950s. He was not at all the type Anthony would go for, regardless of gender. And yet, when he peeked up at Ezra from beneath his lashes, studying the blonde's profile, he found himself utterly smitten which was why he paid such close attention to the man as they neared their stop, and perhaps also between bouts of napping. What are your plans? Anthony asked, knowing he could interrupt Ezra's reading by the way he softly sighed a moment before. He'd learned all the tells over the last four months. I may see if I can pick up a few shifts at the library, Ezra confessed. I've actually been speaking with the staff at the university library before we left. I might be able to work there from time to time as well. You want to take a job on top of studying? Anthony asked incredulously. Well, it doesn't hurt to have a little extra, Ezra replied, shifting his gaze to Anthony. I'd feel more comfortable knowing there was something going into my account replacing what's being depleted. Anthony sat up in his seat. Everything's all right, though? he asked. Ezra smiled fondly, and Anthony's heart did a stupid little jig. They are, my dear. I just want to make sure they stay that way. My dear... Anthony wasn't sure when Ezra dropped the fellow when addressing him, but he wasn't going to complain or point it out and risk it going away. Just don't worry about anything, all right? Only work if you want, Anthony said as he eased back into his seat. Ezra said nothing, but smiled in something Anthony wanted to call fondness but didn't dare to. It wasn't long after that that they were getting off the train, each with a bag in hand of clothes and things they'd need or want for the break. So, Anthony started, Call you from time to time? Maybe see you around? He asked, hoping not to sound too eager. Ezra stopped and looked at Anthony with naked disguise. You'd... you'd want to? Anthony frowned. "'Course I would,' he replied. "'Why wouldn't I?' Ezra ran his free hand over his arm, looking at everything but Anthony. "'Well, here you have... your friends will be back in town as well, so I had thought...' "'Yeah, all my friends are back in town. Just happens that one of them came home with me,' Anthony interrupted." Ezra's eyes, when they went big and round and full of hope and wonder as they did now, should be classified as a weapon. 
In an instant, Anthony wanted to wrap him up and never let him go, do anything for him, and he knew that was a dangerous thing. Still, he basked in it. You, even away from school? You consider us friends, even away? Yeah, of course. Anthony smiled. As Ezra grinned, Anthony noticed people coming up toward them from over Ezra's shoulder. Anthony's dad, who waved like mad as if Anthony couldn't see him twenty feet away, and an older woman who was looking at Ezra with excitement. Is that your... Anthony asked, biting his tongue before he could say something stupid like grandmother. Ezra's dad was older, it stood to reason his mum might be too. Ezra's shoulders slumped. Mum, I said I could get a cab home, he said with fond exasperation. I know, but I couldn't wait to see you, she replied, opening her arms as she came closer. As she wrapped Ezra in a hug, Anthony's dad came up and did the same with him. Seems our boys know each other he said to Ezra's mum. Seems so, she conceded with a grin. Anthony's my roommate, Ezra explained. Ah, I thought you looked familiar, Anthony's father said, stepping away from him to offer his hand to Ezra. Tony Adams. What, no doctor? Anthony teased. Ezra fell. He introduced himself politely, taking Tony's hand. And you've met my mum, Cynthia. He introduced the older adults, who'd likely already done this song and dance, but Ezra had looked to Anthony when he spoke. Anthony stepped up and offered his hand. A pleasure to meet you, Mrs. Fell. Ezra's spoken a lot about you, he said, catching a big smile on Ezra's face in the corner of his eye and was pleased he'd got it right. His dad had been smirking since they got in the car. He didn't even try to hide it when Anthony peeked over. In fact, he turned it toward him, smug as hell, and Anthony grit his teeth. What? he finally asked. You really like your roommate, his dad teased, and Anthony groaned, flopping about in the passenger seat. Oh, shut up about it. You do. I know you, Anthony. I know how you get when you like someone. I haven't seen you this bad since that Oscar bloke, though. Funny you should mention him, Anthony said. Cause Ezra is that Ezra. The smirk was gone from Tony's face in an instant. Be careful, he said. It's not like they're married. Anthony scowled, knowing exactly what his father was getting at. According to Ezra, they aren't even really together. And besides, why would Ezra pick me over Oscar? Just because you fancied the pants of the bloke doesn't mean Ezra feels the same. And because I fancy Ezra doesn't mean he fancies me either. It's all a big just because. Now, can I enjoy my holiday? Or are you going to hold this whole thing over me the whole time and torment me with it? His dad grimaced. Not sure you'll enjoy it over much, even if I stop holding things over your head. Oh, Jane's family in town, are they? Anthony asked. No, not quite that bad for you. More... Well, your brothers are a bit enthusiastic this year over Christmas. Ah, Anthony nodded, already planning to waste more money on petrol than he had intended.
are you texting? Eliza asked as she passed Ezra where he stood, leaning against the kitchen counter on her way to the fridge. You never text, least not this much. Ezra fought the blush and failed. I'm talking to Anthony, he replied. He's fairly big on texting. Eliza smirked wickedly as she opened the fridge. Oh, are they naughty texts? Eliza? Cynthia said in warning from the small table they had in the kitchen these days, but without a lot of heat to it. They were adults now, Ezra supposed. He was a bit more on his own in putting up with his sister's hijinks. What? Eliza said, with all the fake innocence in the world, taking out the milk for her tea and closing the door. Did you know that Ezra's roommate frequently... Eliza! Ezra snapped. She merely smiled, probably knowing that she could tease him relentlessly about this now that they were home. He supposed he was lucky she'd waited a couple days before digging in, as it were. I'm bored. What are you up to? Being tormented by my sister, apparently. You too? Where do you live, by the way? Ezra frowned, then texted his address. He didn't want to hope that Anthony would pop over. That might be too much. But maybe he could give a sort of meeting spot, a place in between. Eliza passed him on her way to her tea and back with the carton, all the while barely holding in some commentary or other. He rolled his eyes at her when she passed again. Cynthia glanced up from the newspaper, looking between them. You two are having a very loud argument for not saying any words. We aren't arguing, Eliza said as she picked up her mug of tea and brought it over to the table to join her mum. I'm teasing him about the fact that his roommate walks about in his skivvies and Ezra is tetchy because he can't deny it. I can because he doesn't, Ezra sighed. You're just very fixated on that one time he happened to need to change rather quickly. He was covered in paint. It was hardly an emergency, she retorted. Have you seen his hair? Ezra replied. If the paint had dried, and it was needed for him to take off his clothes, Eliza retorted again. Eliza, Cynthia sighed. Much as I hate to be this blunt, I think perhaps you should let up on your brother and the young man he lives with and what they do or do not do, given I'm not naive enough to think you haven't had your fair share of naked men trapezing through your own flat. Ezra twisted his mouth in an effort not to giggle as Eliza hid her very red face in her hands. He checked his messages, not seeing anything from Anthony, and decided he must have gotten distracted for the time being. He finished the washing up and was drying his hands when there was a knock on the door. He tossed the dish towel aside and ran for the door, startling both his mum and sister with the sudden speed of the movement. Ezra beamed when he opened the door and Anthony was smiling back at him across the threshold. Hi, Anthony said. I'd say I was in the neighborhood, but that's utter bull. Do you want to come in? Ezra asked, stepping aside. I was actually wondering if you wanted to go for a drive. Well, you could come in for the time being. I'd need to get a few things he said, and Anthony nodded and stepped in. Ezra led Anthony into the kitchen, and his mum smiled at them. Hello again, she greeted. Hello, Mrs. Fell, he said, then smirked at Eliza. You. You've gotten clothes on, I see, Eliza remarked. Yeah, funny thing that. They won't let you out in public without them. Anthony retorted casually as he put his hands in his pockets. Well, his fingers. 
Ezra wasn't sure he could fit much else. I've just got to grab my wallet and then I'll get on my things and we can go, Ezra said as he darted down the hall. The hum of conversation in the kitchen faded as he went into his room a moment. When he came back out, he went right to the entryway, Anthony following behind. Be safe, Cynthia called as they left, to which both young men shouted their affirmation and headed out the door. Ezra stopped quite suddenly at the sight of the car in the drive behind his mum's. Your dad let you take that for a drive? Ezra asked, pointing at what he assumed was a vintage black car. Anthony frowned. Well, yeah, it's my car. Ezra blinked. You have a vintage car? And then, before Anthony could answer, asked... Why did you not have it at school? Anthony looked at him aghast. Not risking idiots near my car, he said, moving to the driver's side and prompting Ezra to get in the passenger side. Inside, the car was very clearly not vintage. There were seat belts for one. A very modern-looking stereo was in the dash, and something about the upholstery didn't seem right. As Anthony closed the door, he gestured about the inside. Bloke that bought it from for me said the interior was shot. Mostly just a shell, really. He could have restored it, but it had been a relative or someone he hadn't cared much for, and he just wanted it gone. So he modernized it, made it street safe and all, but not many people wanted it. Tend to go for vintage look when the inside matches, but you know, I kinda liked it, he said fondly as he looked around the insides. And you make fun of my favoring the classics, Ezra teased, getting a grin out of his friend difference between favoring and happening to like the aesthetic, Anthony retorted before he put the keys in the ignition and started the engine. It was much quieter than Ezra expected. So, anywhere you happen to want to go? Anthony asked. I haven't a preference, Ezra replied, merely happy to be in Anthony's space again. And he was quite happy, he realized. Much more than he had thought he would be, far more than he would if this thing he had sitting in his chest were just a simple crush. They'd been driving around looking at the holiday decor for about an hour. Ezra had mentioned that he used to do it with his parents and then his mum when he was younger and Anthony thought it'd be a unique experience. My dad might have done when I was younger, pray Jane, Anthony had said when they'd gotten started. Jane's not big on holidays though. Didn't want to raise her kids with it, so we didn't do the whole... Thing. They'd stopped for coffee and cocoa and talked about their various experiences as they drove around town, snow lightly falling and making things utterly picturesque. Dinner is always a gamble, Anthony told Ezra after he'd said his family always had something traditional, if not scaled down. Dad can't cook worth a damn, so if Jane's not home, we usually get takeaway. If Jane is home, there's a chance her family will be there. And her family, they don't like me. How could that be possible? Ezra asked, because it was something he couldn't fathom. Anthony shrugged. I'm not their family. I'm... Neil and me, we look alike. Except the eyes. Eyes are a big thing with Jane's family. They unsettle them. I'm quite a bit older than Chrissy, so they weren't around when I was little. 
They try to be open, try to be progressive, but they have an easier time accepting Jane and Dad's open marriage than the fact that I'm bi. Jane's not as bad as them. It's not like I grew up oppressed and feeling out of place. But she and I never connected, so she doesn't try overmuch to defend me to her family. I'm terribly sorry, Ezra said, genuinely meaning it, but Anthony shrugged. That bit I blame Mum for. Because she was never really around, but when she was, she made sure everyone knew that she was Mum, not someone else. Ezra was about to ask a bit more about her when Anthony's phone rang. He groaned in frustration. Uh, can you get that, Angel? he said, gesturing to where his mobile was sitting in between the seats. So you'll drink coffee and drive, but not answer your phone? Ezra teased as he reached for the mobile. I don't need to pull my eyes away from the road for coffee. Antony retorted as Ezra answered the phone. Hello, he greeted. Oh, Oscar's voice replied. I... Sorry, Ezra, I'd meant to call Antony. You did, Ezra replied merrily. He asked me to answer it for him. Hold on. He pulled the phone away and, after a moment, found the speakerphone button and held it between him and Antony. He can hear you now, Oscar. Oscar, Antony exclaimed in voice alone, his face expressionless. You home? Yeah, Oscar replied in deep confusion. Are you driving? Did you... You were supposed to be home days ago. Did you bring your car to Oxford? No, no. Anthony replied, just out for a little spin is all, killing time. With Ezra? Anthony glanced at Ezra at the same moment Ezra glanced at him, both appearing just as confused as the other as to why Oscar was so confused by this. Yeah? Anthony replied, focusing on the road. Why? No reason. Oscar replied, I just was curious if you wanted to do something later. Ezra watched Anthony grimace, shifting nervously in his seat. His hands shifted on the steering wheel and moved his head as if to crack his neck. You can drop me off back home if you'd like, Ezra offered. That way you and Oscar can get together. Well, what about you? Antony asked. Ezra shrugged. I suppose I'll get on fine on my own. I usually do. He offered a smile. But you two haven't seen each other in months. Well, yeah, but neither have you two. Antony countered. And aren't you, you know... Call this progressive thinking. Oscar cut in. But maybe, and this is just a thought, the three of us could do something together. We are all friends, right? Or did you two just miss being near each other to ignore one another? You never told him? Anthony whispered. I thought you would, Ezra countered just as quietly. Hello? Oscar spoke up. Right, yes, sure, I'll pop round yours, pick you up, Anthony said. Be there in a bit. Ezra took that as his cue to hang up and then put the phone back where it was before. Well, that'll be a thing, Anthony said. I can go home, Ezra volunteered. You two are far closer than we are, or I am with Oscar. I'll be the one intruding. Anthony shifted again. I'll pick him up and drop you off, if that's what you want. I don't want to get in the way, Ezra said again. You're never in the way, Anthony replied, 
and Ezra almost believed him. Ezra had gone home, much to Anthony's disappointment. He dropped him back off, promising to call or text later. Oscar got a promise to see Ezra soon, sometime before they all went back, and that was that. Anthony had always loved having Oscar alone in his car. It always felt like more than what it was. A sort of intimacy Anthony could never put words to. For reasons he could never explain, he always felt like the chance for more had a probability of happening there in the front seat of his Bentley than his or Oscar's bedrooms. But now it felt somehow wrong to have Oscar there in the front, and the most perverse part was because it felt to Anthony like one or both of them were betraying Ezra somehow. Why didn't you tell me you two were friends? Oscar asked with fond exasperation after a long period of silence. It's what I had been hoping for. Then no, Anthony replied with a shrug. Suppose we probably just thought the other said something. I mean, you two were sort of not together, but there was an understanding, wasn't there? There was hope, Oscar replied. Seemed rather eager to get away from me there, though. Anthony didn't know what to say to that, mostly because he didn't understand Ezra's hasty retreat himself. It bothered him still, days later, as Christmas came and went, and the lull between it and the new year came upon them. It was late at night, far too late for him to think about texting anyone else. But he noted there were times where Ezra was either still awake in the wee hours of the morning, or the book he'd been reading when Anthony fell asleep had been read through quite thoroughly by morning. So he picked up his phone and sent a very quick, are you awake, text. Barely a minute passed before he got back a, yes. So he rang. And Ezra answered immediately. It's unlike you to still be awake at this hour, Ezra said as he answered, and Anthony thrilled at that. Can't sleep, he replied with a sigh. Also not like you, Ezra teased gently. Something on your mind? He thought to ask him over the phone, but didn't know how to ask without blurting it. You wanna go for a drive? At one in the morning? Ezra asked, but it wasn't a no. Why the hell not? Anthony asked with a smirk. After a few seconds... Ezra replied, All right, I'll wait for you outside. Be about ten minutes, tops. Anthony replied before hanging up, hurriedly changing out of his pajama bottoms and into some denims. It had only been about seven minutes by the time he pulled up outside the fells, but Ezra was standing at the end of the drive anyway. He moved around to the passenger side, climbed in, and then turned to Anthony with a grin. I've never snuck out of the house, he said a bit gleefully. Was never out past curfew, certainly never snuck out to meet anyone. I'm corrupting you, Anthony smirked. Perhaps you are, Ezra replied. Anywhere in particular you wanted to go? No, Anthony said, and then started driving. They made their way down the nearly empty streets, the radio being the only noise in the car for the longest time. 
Eventually, Anthony made his way to his old secondary, pulling into the empty lot and parking, but leaving the engine running. Couldn't wait to leave here, he said with a gesture to the building. I had the same feeling about my school, Ezra said, leaning forward a bit and peeking through the windshield. Odd place to go in the middle of the night, he said as he leaned back. I never asked why you were awake, Anthony said, a terrible lead into a conversation, but it was a start. I get insomnia, Ezra replied with a sigh. I do have medication for it, but I feel dreadful in the morning. I've only taken it at school on Friday nights because at least Saturdays I know I can sleep in. You take a job around campus, that might not always be the case, Anthony pointed out. It may not be, but I'm sure I'll figure something out, Ezra shrugged. What had you up? Anthony looked out the windshield. You see, Oscar, since we were all together... For a few hours on Christmas Eve, Ezra replied, and the very idea of it had Anthony whipping his head back toward Ezra. We, I suppose if you had to label it, it might have been a date. Might have been, Anthony smirked. Ezra huffed, darting glances at Anthony. The last time we went out, before Oxford, he'd kissed me at the end. He didn't this time. He probably thought to let you take the lead there, Anthony shrugged. I suppose he probably did, Ezra conceded. Anthony waited a bit before asking, So why didn't you? Ezra looked at him for a long moment. I don't think I really know, he admitted. Do you... Like kissing him? Anthony hedged. I suppose, Ezra replied. It's pleasant enough. Pleasant enough. Oscar's getting raving reviews from you. And I suppose you'd say he's quite good, Ezra teased. I wouldn't know, Anthony confessed. Oh, Ezra tensed, turning red, looking away. Why were you in such a rush the other day? Anthony said quite suddenly, losing all finesse in fear that somehow he cocked up the conversation with honesty. When Oscar came around, why'd you go? Ezra looked back at him. I didn't want to be in the way, he replied. Anthony snorted. <laughs> You realize if anyone was the gooseberry in that equation, it was me. I don't think so, Ezra grinned. You two have been friends for a long time. I'd guess about five years, since that's how long I've lived here and you said Oscar moved here the same time I had. I've only known Oscar for a couple and most of that he's been away. I've known you for mere months. It was bound to get to a point in the conversation where things would veer toward the familiar and when that happened, it wasn't hard to figure out who would be excluded. I thought I would play it safe. Anthony blinked, trying to find a flaw in Ezra's logic. I, I mean, yeah, we, we did start talking about our friends, people we knew, but, you know, we also talked about school and stuff and you. He figured that might as well be said in case Oscar mentioned it. Me? Ezra replied. What? Do I want to know? Anthony chuckled. <laughs> Wasn't anything bad, Angel, he assured. Just, yeah, so next time, I mean, don't, don't run off. Ezra nodded slowly. I'll try not to, he replied and Anthony only hoped he meant it.
Are you eager to head back? Oscar asked as he and Ezra enjoyed a sushi dinner together. It was Ezra's last night in town, and while he hadn't been avoiding him exactly, it was the first time they had been together since the possible date before Christmas. Ezra swallowed, and while reaching for his green tea, replied, In a way. He took a sip, then added, I did so love the classes. I sort of miss having the particular type of mental stimulation, the debates that could occur and such. But then you'll also be back to having to share a space with someone. Oscar guessed before picking up a piece of roll with his chopsticks. Ezra blushed. Actually, that's another point I'm looking forward to. Basically, the only disappointing aspect of returning to campus is the lack of delicious food and having to walk to the shops, he said as he bowed his head over his platter. When Oscar didn't say anything for quite some time, Ezra peeked up at him to see the frown. I... Oscar started. Then, with a chuckle, he said, <laughs> I feel very much out of the loop between you two, he confessed. How so? Ezra asked, setting down his chopsticks. Oscar did the same. It's just, when I talked to you in the beginning of the year, it was very much stilted answers when it came to Antony, which gave me the impression you only tolerated him. Which, I get, I would have completely understood, because you are quiet and you're shy where Antony is very much not. And Antony seemed... Well, he seemed to not like you all that much. He was very standoffish when it came to you. Well, Ezra said thoughtfully, I can't fault him for that. He seems to be having feelings for you, and I was the one you chose, for lack of a better word. Saying it out loud made Ezra want to squirm for far too many reasons. Anthony having feelings for Oscar, for one, which was a bit of a sore spot that Ezra didn't want to poke at too hard. Oscar having chosen Ezra, making Anthony unhappy, easier to look at when only done so through the lens of a friend. And then, the same point from the other angle, Oscar having chosen Ezra, and Ezra no longer sure if he was worthy of being chosen not with the Anthony-shaped mark making itself bigger on his heart. His mind drifted to their middle-of-the-night car ride, though it was more of a park than anything. After the initial conversation circling around Ezra's current dining companion, they laughed and carried on about their families and the things that happened over the holidays they hadn't already texted about. They spoke of some of the things they would do when they returned to campus, Anthony having coaxed out a tentative promise from Ezra to go to a party with him sometime, and Ezra having convinced Anthony that maybe they could go to a museum that dealt more in science and nature instead of art. They'd stayed together until they figured it was best to head home, lest Anthony burn through petrol keeping the car warm, or someone passed them by and thought them up to no good. Somehow, after Anthony had dropped him off with a promise to text when he was home safe, Ezra felt very much like he'd been floating. He'd damn near swooned when he got the text of, Home safe. Good night, Angel. Which was when he realized he was probably attaching far too much sentiment to their friendship, but couldn't bring himself to back off in any way. He'd rather live with the overblown infatuation than risk losing one of the only good friends he'd ever made. It doesn't explain how you two suddenly seem to be. I don't know. Best mates?
Ezra shrugged. I suppose, well, back in October there was a night when we got drunk. Drunk, Oscar repeated, disbelieving. Yes, Ezra smirked as he recalled. We most certainly did. And that helped? Well, as you say, I'm shy. I don't know how to talk to people, and people like Anthony tend to intimidate me for no reason other than he seems so socially ahead of me. But he brought the cider back to our dorm, handed me a drink, and told me when he first met you. That sort of started everything. Oscar blinked, then looked down at his role. So, you bonded over me? He questioned in confusion. Oh no, I would say you were merely the hopping off point. While, admittedly, Anthony and I don't have a lot in common, there's enough overlap that we can talk about just about anything for hours. Plus, we can debate with each other. Once we got past that initial hesitation, we bonded spectacularly. I suppose I should be pleased, my friend and my... Ezra knew Oscar wanted him to fill in the blank, and he knew what with, but it didn't feel right to him. He and I talked about the next opportunity the three of us have to spend time together, Ezra said instead, resting a hand on Oscar's in reassurance. I'll not flee next time. Oscar's mouth twisted, but he nodded all the same. Seeming to decide this was as far as the conversation would get in any direction. When he brought Ezra home that night, he'd kissed him. Gentle, just a touch above chaste, but didn't push for more, even when Ezra briefly kissed back. Which was a good thing, because when Ezra had kissed back, someone very much not Oscar slipped into his mind. And if he happened to spend the night doing the last of his packing while talking to Anthony and very much not talking about Oscar, their date, the kiss or the questions he'd asked, it didn't mean anything. It didn't mean anything at all. At least that's what Ezra tried to tell himself. He should have known better. He was never very good at lying.